0: The top roper's coming on uh, here momentarily, who has been in fuego, as I welcome you to a Monday show. Bean star, Jeff, did you survive your baseball weekend?
1: Uh, I I did, Tony. Much better than the Yankees did. Isn't
0: that that incredible? And my Phillies lost two of three to Washington. My Phillies have decided... I I don't know what they've decided, but... I mean, I, I... Coach Hyper is going to meet the depressed here. Uh, should we take it? What do you all want to do? I guess it's a post-practice thing. I don't know. Should we monitor it, Bri, or take it? What do you think we ought to do? Because top rope's coming up, right? I will. Uh, I will look for anything interesting that he might say. I mean, we could take it because I think they're kind of breaking camp, and uh, I don't know. This thing is nuts, uh, Bino, this baseball thing. I mean, that that'll make you pull your hair out. I saw something where this is the first time since the mid-90s that the um, Yankees have had a losing record this late in the year. Hey, Bino, you want me to feel sorry for you? Is that what you came here today for? You came here for some sympathy for your baseball team? This is how everybody else lives,
1: Bino. This is how everybody else lives. If, if I were going anywhere for sympathy, I doubt this would be the place I would come.
0: I mean, this is how everybody else lives. The Brave fan listen to me. They know what it's like to be sub 500 at this time of the year. They have down year. You guys have never had a down year in like 30 years. Being, are you kidding me? This is the, you're under 500 for the first time ever at this time of the year? I mean, in 25 years, 28 years? I mean, are you kidding? And you want Brian Hartman to feel sorry for your baseball team. But, you know, how excited are you right now to uh, turn a page and get some football in the air?
1: I am more than ready, Tony, for football to get cranked up here.
0: All right, here's Coach Hyper. I'm taking Coach Hyper because we do it all, the news, the weather, traffic and the sports ladies and gentlemen and here he is the man of the hour the man the myth
2: hey uh good work today Damn That the uh, grass with the guys uh, this is really um pretty much the end of our, our true training camp uh we'll push forward and, and uh, uh still gets a lot of good on good work but uh start moving slowly towards uh, more preparation for virginia i uh, love what these guys have done uh, through the practices that we've had uh, good teams continue to get better throughout the season we got to. Continue to push here. Uh, I think it's 12 days in, until we kick off. Uh, excited about that opportunity. At the same time, we got uh, a lot, a lot of ground still to cover before we uh, we kick off here in a couple of weeks. So uh, I'll open it up for questions.
3: Here. Josh, how important is this week, the week before the actual game week?
2: It's uh, so good teams get better throughout the course of the season. Uh, we're still in the very beginning stages of the season. Uh, like I said earlier, there's a lot of things that that we got to continue to clean up. Um, you know, a lot of situational work still that we're going to implement and, and get into. Our guys got to be ready for those moments throughout the course of the season. Um, and there's still a lot of uh, sharpening uh, before we uh, before we get to kickoff. So uh, it's it's critical that we handle it the right way and continue to grow.
4: Wow. Coach, um,
5: three weeks in, a couple of scrimmages under your belt. Any?
1: You know, yeah,
2: um, that, that will continue to unfold here until we get up uh, until kickoff, I uh, anticipate still seeing multiple guys play, and that's true at the right tackle position, but uh, true uh, across the board.
4: Josh, you're still uh, <clears throat> over a week away, but does it start really feeling like game week right now? Uh,
2: yeah, uh, we finished up tonight with uh, some things that um, you know we're intentional about uh, getting some situational work tonight, and I'll walk through Um, But after that, it'll start feeling a lot more like game week. Uh, Like I said, there's still a lot of good on good that we're going to do to continue to sharpen and grow before we get to kickoff. But uh, absolutely, um, you know, our players can sense that you're on the the end of of training camp and and kickoffs right around the corner.
6: Coach, Jackson Ross says that he's got the third best arm on the team, and he very specifically called you out, saying he's got a better arm than you because he's still in his prime. So now, so now we know. We'll now, we know
2: now we know that Jackson will lie. All right, okay. Um, he may be fourth, but uh, not third.
3: Just third camp portion of the practice. What's encouraged you the most about this team?
2: Uh, I think their energy, their consistency, of their work habits, and competitive nature out on the practice field. Um, you know, I think the camaraderie and connection that they have too. And. Um, the leadership has been really good really strong throughout the course of training camp. Uh, I've said it before, but you know Get into the season. It's not going to be perfect for everybody right all the goals individually that you set uh, at the end of the day uh, Everybody's got to sacrifice a little bit for uh, for the success of the team important that we continue to, to have that inside of our locker room and inside of our program
7: Josh going into your first season you sort of had to sell the players on the culture and your system that doesn't seem to be a challenge anymore. Do you think success changed that or did just time change that?
8: Well, I
2: think every situation, everything that you encounter continues to help build trust and understanding of who you are, what you're about, and what you want to be. Um, you know, there, there's always moments of growth in, in everything that you're doing at the same, same time. Um, but the players have great trust in the culture that we want to have and what we've built. Uh, they understand the expectations on and off the field. Uh, we've developed stronger leadership. Um, so I think all of those things play into, you know, in year three, being in a better situation than you were year one and, and uh, in a lot of ways year two too. Josh, how would you assess where your team is at health-wise as training camp comes to an end and these next couple of days off, I guess, with school starting, for the guys
3: who have been a little bit up, how big is it for them to – have a couple of days as you get into game week prep.
2: Yeah, for the guys that were nicked up you know, early in camp, we've gotten most of those guys back. There's uh, still so a couple of guys that you know, um, I think as we finish up today and tomorrow and we're back uh, in the practice mode uh, the following day, uh, we'll have back on the grass. Um, we should be pretty close to being completely healthy by the time we kick off. <clears throat>
9: Because of those guys nicked up in the secondary, in particular, how close are you guys to figuring kind of that puzzle out back there? I know you're going to play a lot of yeah. different guys, but how close are you feel comfortable getting that group together?
2: Well, you know, the guys that we've gotten back uh, that were out uh, early in training camp, um, you know, the last three, four days, uh, those guys have continued to increase their loads. We've gotten a lot, a lot of live uh, work with those guys. Feel like you know we have a pretty clear understanding who those guys are and, and how they play and compete. Uh, we will play a lot of guys uh, on the back end, and and uh, you know, so I feel like we're in a good spot, and and uh, over the next 12 days, should be ready to roll.
10: How uh, has Milton continued to develop with his mechanics when you look at situational awareness and the timing of his feet?
2: Yeah, um, you put quarterbacks in tough situations, and in some situations during practice, you put them in the harder spots that they can be in. Um, he's continued to grow in his understanding of football. You know, one on one understanding. You know. When can I hang in the pocket? When's it time to get rid of the football and make sure that um you know, in a certain situation, whether we're backed up or in field goal where you got three, you're trying to get seven, understanding the timing and, and how to play smart football in those situations. He's continued to grow. Love what he's done. You know, the other quarterbacks in the room have continued to grow as we've put them into a lot of situations. Um you know, I think that's one of the things that I've done as a head coach is try to create more situational awareness and, and actually get more reps in those situations. That's been a part of helping those guys, but all 125 in the locker room. Coach
10: Eckler said the other day that Drew McCoy is someone the younger guys look up to in terms of how he approaches practice, team meetings, always first one there, working really hard. How have you seen him kind of embrace that role here
7: in the
2: <laughs> Yeah, he's somebody that this off season, a year ago when he got here, um, you know, Coming off of the injury that he had come off of, he was just trying to figure out how to play and operate and practice inside of what we do uh, offensively. Since January, you know, he's been on our leadership council. Uh, he's been very intentional in how he's grown. It's been fun to see him take those steps. Uh, he owns it. He likes being in that role. He's got a really positive effect on everybody around him.
11: Josh, generally speaking, how how well does a non-starter have, or how close does a non-starter have to be to a starter to to get, you know, in that rotation where it becomes a deal where it's good to have them out there and not just the drop-off's not too much to, to kind of keep continuity going. If we
2: don't feel like you're going to play at a championship level, you're not going to be on the field. It's real easy. Uh, coaches got to be able to trust you. You know, Josh, where do
12: you feel like you guys are at, at receiver coming out? You've got the, those those four veteran guys that that you. Seen and, and some of those young guys come along. How do you feel about that position group?
2: Yeah, um, you know the three guys that have a bunch of time in our offense played really well. Um, done a great job being in sync with the quarterback. Uh, Dante Thornton's continued to really grow. Love what he's done. Uh, the two younger guys inside of our our building, uh, Chaz and, and Caleb. Man, they've taken great strides. Uh, you know all of off season, but you know this training camp, they were a different player than they were in spring ball too, in a, in a positive way. So. Love uh, love what those guys are doing. That's on the offensive side of the ball. It's also on special teams.
3: Josh is a quarterback guy. Joe's got so much experience uh, behind him. You have so much inexperience. If something happened to
11: Joe, how ready do you feel like that Nico is? Yeah, I
2: think he's ready to play at a really high level. Um, all young quarterbacks, you know, it's – it's different when you get out there and it's live bullets, and you don't have a red jersey on. But uh, um, feel really good about where he's at, command of our offense, uh, being a really sound decision maker, finally being able to get himself in a good position to be consistently accurate with the ball. Um, you know, I like what he's done.
12: Just kind of following
13: up on that question. There was a lot of conversation over the last two years about how Joe Mellon prepared as the starter, despite being the backup. What have you kind of seen from Nico? Maybe not necessarily on the field, but off the field in terms of
0: preparation and being that backup in that room.
2: Yeah, as a young man coming into a program, understanding the you know standards that we have here, but the demands of playing quarterback at this level, uh, being able to you know start to grasp and understand you know what's going on you know from us up front protections. Uh, defensive structure, uh, being able to see and recognize, and anticipate, and, and see post snap, uh, you know, rotations from uh, from the back end. Um, at the end of the day, you know, controlling his job and, and having his eyes in the right spot. He's a dramatically different player than he was in spring ball. Love the steps that he took in the spring too. Um, you know, this football team's got a lot of trust in him. <clears throat>
3: Nico told us back
11: in spring that he wants to go out and compete and get better every day, but he also wants to be to Joe what Joe was to Hendon last year. What have you liked about those two guys? Their, their dynamic.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit different in you know the amount of, of time that Nico's spent here, um, but at the end of the day, for him uh, being very supportive, helping him on the sidelines, you know, being able to talk about what happened on on previous play, previous series, I think that's important. Um, but, uh, you know, Joe was such a, a great leader uh, for us a year ago, long before anybody saw him step on on the field. And, you know, his growth, how intentional he was in his work was a big part of why, you know, everybody believed he'd play at a really high level and he got his next chance. And. You know, for Nico this year, you know, right now, you know, back into training camp, getting prepared for, for week one and throughout the course of the season, as it's true for every guy that's not the first guy out there, you know, offense, defense or special teams. Man, it's about continued growth and putting yourself in a position to play at your highest level when, when you get your opportunities. So Nico's operated that way. He's been intentional in the way that he's worked. Um, you know, Joe being able to see things and communicate to, to Nico never it being personal you know what i mean it's a it's a really positive relationship that exists between those two but all the guys in the quarterback room it's a really unique dynamic
7: sometimes players don't enjoy this week as much as others because you're you're still not to game week you still have a little ways to go do coaches enjoy the week before game week or is it more anxious
2: um, I think coaches uh, have great urgency in correcting the things that aren't where they need to be yet, and there's a lot of those things. That's just the nature of this game, and, and trying to, you know, be perfect in what you're doing. Understanding that uh, perfection in this game is not uh, t- obtainable either. So, constant growth. Um, there's great urgency. We got, uh, you know, 12 days to get ready to go play our best football week have I Might
10: have like two. First, uh, the Titans were involved. <laughs> the last one's a funny one, I hope. So first, the Titans were involved in the passing game quite a bit last year. How is Jacob Warren maybe taking that next step?
2: Yeah, I just think fundamentally uh, he's continued to grow. grow that, that room's continued to grow. Coach Abe has done a, a phenomenal job. It's in the core pass protection run game, and it's out on the perimeter, being involved in the pass game, understanding leverage, uh, being more disciplined and playing with better technique and some of the route running. Uh, those guys have all functioned. Jacob has functioned at a really high level in the past game.
10: And lastly, did Joe Milton get you a bobblehead from Smokies yet?
2: Yeah, I got a pack of four for my uh, two kids and uh, my uh, nephew and niece too. Yeah. He did not. No, so His kids were disappointed in that. I uh, appreciate it, guys.
0: That is classic because the Smokies had Joe Milton bobblehead night which they're going to love that uh that appeared on there and hype goes uh no uh Milton did not come through for me but I got a pack of 4 so that's too funny uh well I like him take a brief time out we come back Blake Topmyer a hey, B- hey, Bino is Blake has Topmyer been doing it or what is he the top roper right now Bino
1: like this cape's running the map there Tony he he's I think he's trying to laugh at him Sparks. I mean top topper
0: uh right now he is the top roper. He's yeah. he's, a, he's ahead of We've Mr. Well, he's ahead of We're, Mr. Roper and Mrs. Roper. Who was your favorite roper, Vino? Did you like Mrs. Roper or Mr. Roper?
1: I like Mr. Roper better, I guess. My
0: dad used to say I like about the it, Barney Five. My dad used to say about that guy. He used to say, "There's a guy that's making a living making faces on television." <laughs> Mister Roper, we're talking about that goofball from Three's Company. Blake Topmeyer, though, has assumed the role of Top Roper. He has been ripping it up lately. He joins, and he's got a. Speaking of Joe Milton, he's got a really interesting a new column out, and then he's got a Snooze note and Snuggets column out that I want to get to. Did you happen to see his uh, column, Bino, regarding the four SEC teams he would go after when it comes to expansion?
1: I did. Uh, the Yeah, the four teams Interesting. would go after in expansion, correct? Re-
0: yes, really. Re- his fourth one, everybody has the three the North Carolina, the Clemson, the Florida State. His fourth is great. We'll talk about it after this.
5: This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia.
0: I got to say some personal thank yous here, and I want to thank my friends at Fleet Tire, Jerry and the gang. But I got to say some personal thank yous. First of all, thank you to Blake Topmeyer, who's lighting the world on fire right now. We've been popping immaculate for him. Thank you to Channel... TN on X slash Twitter for putting up that celebration of Tennessee fans when the Vols beat Alabama back in 1982. How much character, how much character did Cumberland Avenue being star have back then? I mean, I miss that so much, it's not even funny.
1: Yeah. You, to, uh, to those who never got chance to experience it there's just no way to describe the difference then and now look at the people look at the people that were going to the games back then they like normal people
0: no offense i'm not knocking the people that go to games but it was like just a different crowd back then and,
8: look, like at, them.
0: and look at cumberland avenue yes it looked like just a classic a classic place And now they've done to Cumberland Avenue what they wanted to do to Cumberland, which is what they've done to college football. No offense Let's bring the great Blake Topmeyer in now without further ado, who is absolutely getting it done from start to finish. And, uh, Blake, every passing article you pop, Beano is sending to me, saying, hey, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you seen this? But that will not keep you... From acknowledging the fact that your Marlins started the fire on Bino's Yankees.
7: Yeah, I love it. Uh, Marlins still trying to hang around and, and playoff contention. If only if only they could play the Yankees all the time, things would be great.
0: See, Beano, we didn't realize, Blake. I asked Blake off the air, "What do you do?" He said, "Man, I'm, I'm a I'm a closet hardcore Marlin fan. Can't be many of those guys around."
1: I, I appreciate that. We let's see, we made a trade with the Twins. Where well, we got three absolute stiff's, and uh, and uh, Marlins get a rise from them. So uh, it, uh, just a, just another another genius move by the trashman.
0: But to show you how much talent the Marlins have, they gave up a guy that's won like sixteen games so far. Like they didn't give up a stiff for a rise and two young players out of their system. So, but that's not what Blake's on here to talk about. Blake, this thing is close. You've written a piece about quarterback play. And and then you've got a great, interesting note segment that I want to get into. Stadium um, conference expansion and several other issues that you touch on. But let's park at the quarterback spot because it is, well, it's just, it's just so important. I mean used to be back in the day people you know over kind of overrate what quarterback play meant you can't overrate it today it's not possible Blake to overrate it
7: totally Uh, I mean you know we all have kind of heard the cliche over and over uh SEC games or excuse me are one in the trenches and I mean I think that remains true uh to an extent I mean Georgia two time defending national championship and uh, champions and and what they did on the, on the line had a lot to do with that, but uh, quarterbacks are going, you know, more and more into the, into the product here. And that's particularly true in the SEC. I mean, you you hit on it, Tony, like it used to be, um, you know, you think about the early days of even Saban's dynasty at Alabama, Uh, you'd have a, a pro style quarterback who didn't make a lot of mistakes, maybe kind of came up clutch in the fourth quarter of a few games, but really, they were doing a lot of handoffs and play-action passes, and, and that was kind of what the, what was asked of them. Um, so much more is asked of these guys now. Um, you know, Really, the last decade to 15 years uh, have been the surge of the quarterbacks in, in this conference. I mean, you think back to uh, kind of started with Tim Tebow, then went to Cam Newton, and then fast forward to Joe Burrow and Bryce Young. Um, I mean, it's really been what a run of talent for SEC quarterbacks. I don't know... That it's going to be quite as good at the top this year as it's been in some recent years, um, but you look at that that group from number like n- number three in the conference through about number nine in the conference, and there's a lot of parity there. I think those, those guys, it's like shake them up and pull one out, um, and and one guy might be the best of that group of six quarterbacks one week, six seven quarterbacks one week. He might be the worst of that group. The following week, I, I think the conversation at the top, though, starts with with either KJ Jefferson uh, or Jaden Daniels. I, I think one of those two, um, in most quarterback rankings, including my own, uh, would be atop the SEC going into the season, anyway.
14: And who would have thought
0: that? Like, who would have thought Daniel? Our first exposure to Daniels last year, which I think was in that Flor—was it Florida State? It was one some right. game on national television week? I think it was a week zero game. You never would have dreamed that we would be mentioning him at the top of the league. Um, But that kind of is indicative of what's going on in the conference because for every guy you list there, like in the top six or seven, uh, outside of of Daniels, I think there's a big, huge question mark next to every one of those people.
7: I think K.J. Jefferson's pretty proven at this point. The question with him would be, you know, they are changing offense. New offense, yeah. Yeah, new offense. Um, I really like his game, though. I feel like he flies under the radar like he's out on an island out there in Arkansas or something. Uh, I mean, you know, Arkansas gets covered so heavily within their own state, uh, I don't feel like they're covered as much regionally or nationally as some of these other SEC programs. Um, and, And you think back to last season, Two of the games Arkansas lost last year, Jefferson was hurt for. Um, so that's more my concern with him is, is the durability. He takes a he takes a lot of hits with his style of play. Um, but I do think those guys are are pretty reliable at top. But so I got Jefferson one in my rankings. I got Daniels two. Uh, I wouldn't really have much argument with with someone who wanted to flip those two. Uh, but then it gets interesting in my three through three through eight. I guess I would say. Uh I'm pretty high on Devin Leary, uh the Kentucky transfer they got from North Carolina State. He was phenomenal 2 years ago. Uh wasn't nearly as good last year coming off an injury. Uh so I'm I'm kind of I guess buying low with the with the thought he's going to bounce back off that injury and regain something closer to his um, to his 2021 form and um you know I, I think you know Tennessee fans can take shots at Kentucky and they've earned the right to do that with the way that series has gone. Uh, however, the reality is I think this is one of the best collections of skill position talent that Mark Stoops has ever had. I, I think it's, frankly, it's probably the best collection of skill position talent that he's had in his tenure there. Kentucky's got some really good wide receivers. Um, I think, and I think Leary's gonna enjoy throwing to The bigger question with Kentucky, and you don't normally ask this, is, uh, what's their offensive line going to be? That was a pretty shaky unit last year. Not sure how much better it's going to be this year. So if I have a question about Leary, it would be on the, uh, what his O line is going to do for him. And then four through eight, uh, I got Joe Milton. I got Carson Beck, uh, from Georgia. I think he's going to be rock solid for him. He was recently named the starter. And Spencer Rattler at six. Uh, a lot of people would have him higher. Um, I just get a little concerned about the Jekyll and Hyde nature of Spencer Rattler. Um, you know, he was great at the end of last season. But you go back to the middle November last year, before that Tennessee game, uh, which, which sort of jump started him down the threat. But coming in, coming into that Tennessee game, uh, he'd thrown more interceptions than touchdowns to that point in the season. So he can be great one week, mediocre the next. So I got him at number six. Uh, and then I got the two Mississippi quarterbacks, uh, Will Rogers at seven, Jackson Dart at eight, notably missing from the top eight in my rankings. You'll notice. No Alabama quarterback. Alabama doesn't check in until Jalen Milrow. I've got it number nine,
0: which is kind of uh, I don't know, indicting of where things are going in Alabama. But Bino, Jeff, jump in here. Blake Topmeyer joins on a Monday.
1: Hey, Blake, I got two two for you. Uh, uh, I you know like like many, I have some questions about uh, Joe Milton as as the starter based on his history. Uh, but I told Tony last week that coming off of Hendon Hooker, who may, who we may find runs high offense about as efficiently as anyone will ever see, I felt pretty good about the fact that we have a guy like Milton ready to step in, and apparently, based on your rankings, you kind of feel the same.
7: Yeah, I do. I'm in that, like, one-and-a-half foot in on Milton. Um, I, I think some of the, the guys that are a little... Further removed from Tennessee than I am, some of the true national guys. Uh, I mean, they are just the hype train for them. On on Joe Milton is, is rumbling down the tracks. Um, yeah, I'm not quite two feet in, and I think a lot of Tennessee fans fall into this camp just because we've got memories of the the 2021 Joe Milton, and, and maybe that's unfair to him because he was he was undeniably better last year. He was he was great as a backup. Um, he was really good in that Orange Bowl win against Clemson. So maybe he's passed all those 2021 20, yips we saw at the beginning of that season. Um, but I can't totally get them out of my mind. So if I have any pause with Milton, it's that. Just like, are, are those yips going to return, you know, at some point this, this season? Um, I mean, I think he knows the offense. I think his mechanics are better. We saw that in the Orange Bowl. Um, you know, I think he's, he's starting to get the mechanics to go with, the, to go with that, uh, howitzer of an arm. Uh, we know he's going to have talent around him uh, and we know that Josh Heifel is really good putting quarterbacks in position to succeed. I mean, you go back to what he did uh, with Drew Locke uh, as the coordinator at Missouri, um, you know, fast forwarding to Mackenzie Milton played really well for Josh Heifel after his arrival there. Um, Dylan Gabriel, the final quarterback he had at UCF uh, was fantastic. And then, then, then on to Hendon Hooker. So, he does have a great track record with these guys. Um, I think he his system protects quarterbacks uh, from the pass rush a little bit, which you know, as we know, in several years before Heupel's arrival, since these quarterbacks were getting beat up, um, you know, this this system really just designed to get the ball out of their hands quickly. I like that, um, and and I just as much as you know, I have some of those visions of twenty twenty one Milton kicking around. I also got visions of. Of Of orange bowl milton lingering around too. and if that's the guy they get all season i don't think he's him and hooker good, but I think he could be top five quarterbacks in the s e c good and and that's why I have him slotted there at number four
0: yeah, and if he plays to that level, they'll have a top five uh offense in the league, you know it, uh, yeah. I, I mean in the uh in in the country they be they 'll be right exactly. back up there putting video game numbers up, because one thing we know about Heupel is he loves those numbers, and when that second string guy comes in, they're going to rack them up on people. So one other thing, I want to read your list here, and it seems like you're being a little punitive here. You've got Jefferson 1, Daniels 2, Leary uh, from NC State, who, um, you know, if he comes back from his injury, is going to be very intriguing this year. I agree with that. You've got Milton 4, You've got Beck 5, Rattler 6, Rogers uh, from Mississippi State 7, Dart at Ole Miss 8, Milrow, Alabama 9, Wegman 10, Thorn 11, Cook 12, Swan 14. Bino doesn't know where half of those guys play. I'm not sure I do either. And then you've got poor Mertz back there. You've got poor Mertz at the very bottom. Florida's quarterback is the very bottom of the league. And since you've published that – how how have the Florida fans' reaction been toward you across the network?
7: <laughs> well, I, I really fine. I think I think Florida's frustration, Florida fans' frustration, is more with the fact that they've got themselves to this point, um, to where Graham Mertz has to be their starting quarterback, and, and he was recently named the starter, which came as no surprise. And I, I don't think it's like necessarily um, uplifting that, that he was named the starter. It's not like oh, Graham Mertz. Is is, is doing awesome in the preseason. He's, he's he's flying below the radar here. No, it it's more of an indictment of what they have behind Graham Burks, which is not much. Um, and and so you're left needing a former mediocre Wisconsin quarterback who's thrown a lot of interceptions the last couple of years. Florida's going to have great running backs. They they are. I mean, they're going to have one of the better running back combinations in the SEC. But you look elsewhere throughout their roster. This is not the Florida type of roster that we came to expect. Certainly not from the '90s, um, but even in the 2000s and 2010s, you know, certainly not Urban Meyer level roster. But I'm talking, you know, even some of those Jim McElwain, uh, Dan Mullen teams. Uh, yeah, I mean, they they, they had a one year hiccup with Mullen. They had, you know, McElwain was kind of hit miss, but they had some good teams even during that run. I don't see that level of talent. Even, even that level, of t- throw out the Spurrier and Urban Meyer level of talent. Even some of these other coaches, um, they've had. I just don't see it there at Florida. When I look at, at the depth of wide receiver talent, when I look at what they have on defense and then quarterback in particular, getting back to Mertz, um, I mean, and it's good that they have him because if they didn't have him, I mean, they'd, they'd really be up the creek, uh, without a paddle. But I mean, maybe it's just image, uh, you know, the, the image we have of Wisconsin quarterbacks. It's like it's it's a half-step above Iowa quarterbacks, right? Um, But, you know, he's played a lot of football the last few years, so that's that's good, I guess. He's got experience, but if you saw his performance in some of those games, I don't think he's coming into the SEC and lighting up these defenses, certainly not uh, without having a better complement of talent around him. Than he does. I mean, I think the best case scenario for Florida is, uh, their defense is, is maybe a little better than what it would suggest based on their, I think, lack of A-list star power. Um, but, but maybe this defense can be, um, you know, star power side, a, a decent unit. You lean on that ground game and Mertz can keep you out of bad situations. I mean, to me, that's sort of the, the optimistic outlook for Florida, which I realize doesn't sound all that optimistic. Florida's got one of the toughest schedules in the conference this year. But you think about their non-conference; uh, they go on the road to Utah. They have to play a top ten Florida State team, uh, two Power Five non-conference, two top twenty-five Power Five non-conference games. Uh, in addition to, you know, they got LSU as their crossover every year. Tennessee, Georgia. I mean, this is this is going to be a tough schedule. Uh, on Florida, and I don't know that that necessarily puts Billy Napier on the hot seat. He's still protected by a a, a nice buyout. He's got the support of his AD, but Andy's and got a lot of recruiting momentum. you got to give him that. He's recruiting well, but I think it's going to be a really tough year in Gainesville, and you know the way that uh, Florida fans are. They're like a lot of other SEC fan bases. Uh, they don't have a lot of patience, and, and if it's not going well on the field, they can tune out
0: pretty quickly yeah and you make a great point that the fact that he was brought in by his A day and the fact that they're recruiting well is going to buy him some more time in another article you wrote about hot seats but bino jump in here and i kind of share that uh with you i think he's going to get more time than the average bear i think that guy probably in, inside his mind probably to his wife at night probably regrets taking that gig because he could have gotten something just as just as uh just as appealing as that Florida's a hot mess right now go ahead Bino jump in
1: Hey, Blake, free agency's alive and well uh, in college football especially at the quarterback position and uh, the of the of the newly transferred guys it's obvious that you really like leary and really don't like Thorne and Mertz uh help me out here look look through that list how many transfer quarterbacks
7: are going to start in the league this year Wow, how many transfers are going to start? Okay, let's let's run it I down. I counted six,
1: and I think I've missed
7: one or two. Yeah, you may have missed one. Well, Milton, Milton's got to be one. Oh, Milton's
0: yeah. one. Did you count Milton? Yeah. now? Yeah. Okay.
7: Well, let's just run Milton. down it. KJ's homegrown. He he signed with with Arkansas. Then you get to Jaden Daniels. He's a transfer. That's one. Devin Leary's a transfer. That's two. Joe Milton transfer. That's three. Uh, Carson Beck, no. Uh, Spencer Rattler, transfer. That's four. Uh, Jackson Dart, transfer. That's five. Uh, Peyton Thorne, transfer. That's six. And Graham Mertz, transfer. That is seven. So, uh, yeah, half half the quarterbacks in, in the late. Late will be transfers. Yeah. That's and, absurd. And even more. If you think about it, uh, Alabama brought in Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame. And I don't think he's going to win the job. All, all the reports out of Tuscaloosa seem to indicate that it's going to be either Milrow or, or Ty Simpson. Uh, I tend to think it's going to be Milrow. Um, but either one of those guys side with Alabama. So, yeah, I mean, you've got some, some transfers who aren't starting uh, as well. Missouri would be another one. Missouri, um, you know, probably going to go with Brady Cook or Sam Horn, it sounds like, both of whom our missouri guys they brought in jake garcia uh, of miami he doesn't sound like he is going to start so uh, it it could have been even more than than seven at texas a&m connor wigman he's he's an a&m guy signed with the aggies uh but they got on the bench max johnson a former starter he's a transfer so you know and i really don't i think the instinct here is is to put this all on the player's you know, of well, you know, players today they don't have any commitment. They're they're looking for the next big thing. It's the coaches too. Of
0: course, it the is. The coaches
7: are 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 dying to bring as many of these guys in yep. as they can. And worse being, they're bringing these guys in not just to be starters. They're bringing them in for depth for backups. Now they might sell it sell them on the idea of hey, you come in and you'll be the starter. Um, you know, I'm sure that was the sales pitch maybe to. Um, to Tyler Buckner, who transferred from Notre Dame to Alabama. Well, now he's looking at probably being the third string guy at Alabama. Um, so I think the, so so much of this is put on the, on, on the athletes that it's like, ah, kids today. They don't, they don't want to stick around. Well, I mean, if the coach is playing in the portal, if, if the coaches weren't real interested in adding transfers, you wouldn't see as many of them. But, you know, if a coach has, has, thinks he has, has depth problems or has top end talent issues, uh, at quarterback, rather than to try to develop the guys he's got and be patient with them, no, he's he's looking to the portal, and I don't blame him for that. We saw what it did for LSU last year. They won the West with Jaden Daniels, a transfer, as their starter. So I really don't blame the coaches. I don't blame the athletes. It's just uh, kind of the new world order here.
0: No doubt about it. Yeah. Blake, Blake Topmeyer joining.
7: Really interesting.
1: I'm sorry, Tony. Really interesting. Half of the quarterbacks in the best league in America were actually recruited by someone else.
7: <laughs> yeah, and, and a lot of these guys, uh, you know, they were they were at previous power five. You know, you, you look at Jackson Dart; he was that uh, highly highly touted guy, Southern Cal. Um, you know, even Milton was was at Michigan. So it's like the SEC; they kind of get their their pick of the crop. Yeah coming out of high school, yes. um, You know, a lot of the the blue-chip quarterbacks these days are, are looking to SEC schools. Not all, but a lot yep. of them are. Yep. And then if you miss the first time around, you still get a second chance the second time around. The guys that picked other schools, um, you, you can catch them on the rebound out of the transfer portal. Um, and some of them will even transfer from SEC school to SEC school. Now, a lot of the guys I mentioned don't fit. That bill, you look at a lot of the transfer quarterbacks in the SEC this year that are going to be starting. Uh, they came from Big Ten or Pac-12 uh, schools or, or elsewhere. Um, but, yeah, so it really the SEC enjoys kind of the, uh, the prime spot to be in. You, you get the first crack out of them coming out of high school, and then you get the first crack out of the guys coming out of the transfer portal too. It's a, it's a great time, I think, to, to have that uh, SEC logo uh, on the jersey it's insane Brian hit it
13: you'd have Connor I think the AM quarterback is 10th does their offense sort of prohibit him from being ranked higher than that or is it the fact that he's not proven as much I think it's how a much pressure both. is Fisher on? yeah
7: I think it's a combination of both I'm sort of in wait and see mode a little bit on just how uh invigorated this offense is going to be with Bobby Petrino. And, and that's not really a knock on Petrino. I do think he's a good offensive mind if he gets some some freedom there. <laughs> I think he can 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 make a lot of positive gains for that that program. And and m has um, a good collection of wide receivers. I mentioned you know Kentucky earlier with what they have at wide receiver. You look at SEC West schools as far as collection of wide receiver talent, not just talking about like one guy. I think AM might have the best collection of wide receivers in the SEC West. Um, but yeah, I am a little bit in wait-and-see mode with, with that offense. And also with Connor Wigman, he was getting a lot of praise for stepping in last November and, and sort of steadying um, A&M's spiral. They, they, they beat LSU mm-hmm. with him at quarterback. But if you really look at his performance, it was just okay. Like sometimes we set the bar – so darn low for true freshmen. If they manage to play four quarters and you know complete twelve passes and chew gum and walk, we act like these guys are the next great thing, right? How many true freshmen uh, have we come out of a season before and said, "Oh, look at what this guy did," you know, and, and four starts as a freshman, he's he's the next big thing. And you look at it, it's like in four starts as a freshman. Uh, completely like 54% of his passes or something. And and those guys never, they never take the next step. Uh, I'm not saying that will be Wigman. I just think, you know, there, there does seem to be others that are ranking him really highly. And I think that's sort of based on, on promise and potential and not necessarily, um, you know, the proof we've seen in the pudding. He was, he was fine last year for a true freshman. I just think sometimes the bar is set so low, um, you know, we take that and make make us think, oh, well, he's going to be the next breakout star. I mean, this is a guy that completed, you know, 39% of his passes in a November uh, loss last year to Auburn. Like, you know, to me, that was a guy we saw last year that still had a long way to go to being a top-shelf SEC quarterback. Maybe he makes that jump this year with a um, with a new coordinator, or maybe it's sort of like gradual, incremental – progression. If if it's more incremental, then I think he'll be about in that nine ten slot among SEC quarterbacks. But but maybe he does take that big jump.
0: Hey Blake, when when AM rolls in here in mid October, okay?
7: Mm-hmm. And
0: you're you're an odds maker, you're working from a friend's at Zen Sportsbook, okay? Mm-hmm. What would you set the number on that we hear somebody leak to someone like you that there is disharmony in the camp between those two Big, huge ego guys. Because I'm going to tell you this, there is a much better chance by midseason that we hear something like that than not. Do you agree?
7: Yeah, I, I'm surprised you didn't present the possibility, Tony, that, that uh, one of those two guys is not still in the program Interesting. by then, right? Like, I mean, I, we none of us would put it past Bobby Petrino if things aren't going his way uh, to just hop on his motorcycle and leave town. He'll, he'll up and quit. We've with been, neck you know, brace
0: or without is the only question.
7: <laughs> right, right. Uh, I, I, think Jimbo, though, if he's got, if he's got any sense there, he has to know how high the stakes are. Now he could just dig his heels in and say, "Hey, yeah. you want to get rid of me? I got my money. Uh, you owe me close to eighty million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll check, please." Uh, you know, I don't know. You, you would think maybe the logic would prevail at some point. And, and Jimbo might think, hey, you know, maybe I do want to save my job here before I, before I drift off into buyout utopia, last a couple more seasons. And to do so, I, I do need to relinquish control. I think that's what most logical people would, would do. On the other hand, as you mentioned, we got a couple big egos here and all these coaches have monstrous egos, right? It's one of the most egotistical profession, uh, there is. And yet, Even through the lens of that profession, Jimbo's kind of functioning on a higher level, right? Um, I mean, if there was an Ego Olympics, Jimbo would be in strong, strong contention for a podium finish. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if he's coming away with gold, uh, but I I, I like his chances to at least walk away with with a bronze from the Ego Olympics.
0: And if there was an absurdity Olympics, Blake, that (laughs) item that you have about the Big Ten – and that Oregon to Rutgers trip. Oh my. Hey, hey, Brian, you're, a, uh, you're an avid car rider, driver, visitor, of various places around the country. How long do you think it would take you to get in a car, if you're a fan, and drive from Oregon to Rutgers when it's 2,463 miles? Now, I make a trip to Pennsylvania a couple times a year that's about 630 miles, whatever that is. It takes me about nine and a half, ten hours. So that is four times that trip. you're talking thirty six thirty six hours of driving, probably to do that is that would that be about right guys thirty thirty six hours is that yeah if you went six hundred miles a day for four days, that's what that would be thirty so you're talking thirty six hours in a car that's like that's like going to Gainesville driving to Gainesville four consecutive days. And, and, Blake, what they've done is they provided cover for the SEC because it looked absurd when we added A&M with South Carolina. But that's Blake points
7: out, that's only 1,011 miles. Yeah, and, and these distances, Tony, these are as-the-crow-fly distances. So if you were to actually do that drive, from Oregon to Rutgers you know you're, you're not going to take the as the crow fly path so you could probably expect to add probably three four hundred extra miles on that trip in terms of like actual car drive time uh if, you, if you're going to hop in your car and do it versus hop on a plane you're probably looking at more like 2,800 miles to get from Oregon to Rutgers um but in terms of like yeah as the crow flies if you're going to get in a plane and do it you're still at almost 2,500 miles if you want to travel from Oregon to Rutgers and, and you hit on it, uh, the farthest trip in the SEC is less than half that from South Carolina to Texas. And it does go to show, you know, how much the SEC has stuck to a brand, an identity, a geographical region, uh, through their expansion. Now, we can argue whether Columbia Mo in the south or not as yeah. someone who lived in in columbia for four years and lived in the state of missouri uh for eight years uh i am firmly in the camp that columbia missouri is not the south that is that is the midwest you get down into southern uh, missouri uh that might be the, the south but columbia is not that's the midwest but otherwise um you know i think the the scc's expansion they've been kind of Southern identity schools. Now the Texas and Oklahoma's are more Southwest than true South, but it's still, they're Southern schools, uh, they're football pedigree schools, and it's expansion into neighboring states. Um, You know, so you're gradually growing your terrain in a way that still makes some sense with the brand and identity of your conference. I mean, the big 12 stretching from BYU to UCF is just sort of comical. Like what UCF and BYU have, in common with each other, I, I think you'd you struggle to come up with something uh, there. Uh, you know, the ACC is still pretty tight because they haven't been involved in any of this expansion. So they're they're more comparable to the SEC in terms of their footprint. Uh, it's more coastal, of course, um, but in terms of distances, max distances, the ACC is pretty similar to the SEC. But the Big Ten and, and the Big 12, yeah, they're, they're stretching – Far and wide, and I don't really blame the Big Twelve. Like, I mean, they they survived, right? Um, You you got to keep your love alive,
0: Jackson Brown said it. You got to do what you got to do to keep your love alive, man. You got to do what you
7: got to do. Yeah, yeah, they survived. Pac twelve didn't, but it is sort of a a national type conference without much of a cohesive identity um, in those two leagues, the Big Ten and the Big Twelve, and and that might work for them, but the SEC. I still think I'd rather have that approach, particularly with how important football is in the South and Southwest. I don't think you had to believe this region. And I still think if the SEC expands further, Hit it. I think it will in time. I love this. Head it. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's the next 12 months or the next 10 years, but the SEC is going to expand more. But you can do it still without without uh, neglecting your brand, without pulling a Big Ten and going from Oregon to Rutgers. Yep. You can You can fill in the gaps. In this region and still be a southern leaning, you know, south based football conference uh, where football is king and you don't have the Rutgers of the world in your conference because you don't need them and, and, and your conference still makes a lot of sense. And in some ways, I think it could make your conference, um, better and, and even more fun. I so mean, you, if you think about the possibility of Clemson and Florida State right. getting into this, this conference, maybe at some point down the road, it's going to make things tougher, sure, but. Can't tell me those schools don't fit the identity of the SEC. They're, they're more SEC schools than they are ACC schools, anyway.
0: Boy, and you say, let's not forget North Carolina, who the SEC is going right. to grab them eventually. But your right. fourth is the one I teased earlier. Your fourth is one <laughs> that I really like. I think that's a. I think that's a great thought.
7: Well, you might just be pandering to me now. And no, me no Bino, we were talking this off that.
0: the air. Bino, isn't that a great thought? Isn't that a great thought, Bean Star? Blake's fourth uh, ACC team that we should grab
7: which is Pittsburgh by the way
0: Pittsburgh yes I mean Bino we were talking about Bino, you spent time up there tell uh, Blake why you think that's such a good good idea being star
1: you know I, I just think that those people are, are a lot like us a lot like Southeastern Conference football fans uh, like you said they lean toward the pro game but uh, they could easily easily. Have tremendous passion for college as as well, and I, one of the responders to your column yeah. mentioned kind of Appalachian like roots too, which is mm-hmm. which is another. Yeah,
0: you got the old steel town folks up there. If you if you if you've spent time there, you know um, those people as they call themselves the Yinsers. They go Yins go there, Yins go there. Those people are. So Southeastern Conference, as are the West Virginia fans, by the way, and they're separated by 45 minutes. So if you can't get West Virginia, the next best thing, plus it's a decent-sized market. I might right. really like the idea, Blake. I think it's a great idea, Blake.
7: Yeah, it, it, it is a little outside the box. I think the obvious thing is to say, oh, go get Virginia Tech or go get Miami. Um, I think my, the argument against Miami in particular, if you have Florida and Florida State, you've snapped up most of the college football fans in that state i don't know that you need Miami i mean i would love the road trips to miami sure yeah great place to visit um i'm not knocking miami but I, as far as the university i don't know that you need miami the other thing i would say uh it sounds like you guys would agree with this uh pittsburgh shares an identity with several of these SEC schools, no way more than Miami does. No I mean, doubt. Miami is its own vibe. It's south of the south. It's not the south. Miami's the south beach, right? Uh, it's, it's party time. It's beach party time. Um, Pittsburgh, yeah, I think Pittsburgh shares such an identity with Knoxville, um, even with Birmingham, uh, with Kentucky, with Western Carolina. Um, you know, Pittsburgh's not the south, sure, but it is Appalachia. You know, in those areas, you know, you just mentioned, I mean, I think there's, um, to me, people that don't understand my, my insertion of Pittsburgh there have probably never been to Pittsburgh. <laughs> um, you know, you might think Pittsburgh's some, you know, northeast outpost. or it's something, not. But, you know, for those of us that have been there, it's, it's not. It's Appalachia. Um, they love their football. Of course, it's a Steelers town. It's always going to be a Steelers town. Um, but I do think if Pitt were in the SEC, uh, it would up their profile. A little bit up the interest in, in Pitt and, and we, if you saw the television rating, uh, for that Pitt Tennessee game, now I know they benefited from being, you know, an ABC game of the week, uh, from Tennessee's presence in the game, obviously, but that was one of the top rated games that week. I think that might have been number two in the ratings that week. It, it drew a pretty, pretty darn good number. So if you think of Pittsburgh playing, uh, games against uh, you know, if North Carolina comes into fold, Pittsburgh, North Carolina, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, uh, Pittsburgh, Kentucky. I mean, th- th- I think there's something, there could be something to that. It's a great there. idea. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and they've had some good hoops teams in the past, too. I know hoops don't drive the, yeah. the bus in, in realignment, um, but they have had some good teams in, in years past. So, yeah, I don't think it's a totally crazy thought. Um, I do think their identity matches, you're adding in, a metro area, you're getting into new terrain without completely, um, you know, shirking your brand. I don't know. I, th- I think it's kind of a fun outside the box thought for that fourth team uh, because I'm not sure how how eager the SEC would be for either Miami or Virginia Tech. Um, Why would you I, I think have those it makes teams. a lot of sense to the fans? I don't yeah. know that it's going to make sense to the conference. To
0: the I fans. totally agree with that. I would take Pittsburgh way before I took. Uh, Virginia Tech, but Blake, we're out of time. You've been incredible, so on the way out, uh, if folks want to read more, share more, how do they find you, brother?
7: Yeah, the easiest place is always to start local, so just head over to KnoxNews.com. They still uh, they run all my columns, promote my work, um, so that's the easiest easiest way to find me, and uh, still uh, on X slash Twitter, at Btopmeyer. And your podcast with John Adams? That's right, SEC football unfiltered. Uh, we go up every week, usually on Wednesdays. Find it uh, on all the podcast apps, Apple, Spotify, uh, wherever you're getting your podcast. SEC football unfiltered. The growing audience. Love to have you aboard. Uh, like I said, we go up about every Wednesday and try to have some fun on there, and I do my best to keep John in line, but.
0: That's a little bit futile, as you know. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, and because he, and, he's infantile. But thank you. Good talking to you. <laughs>
7: Sounds good. Thank you.
0: Yeah, because Adams, once Adams gets uh, something in his brain, Blake appears on the TLD Logistics Hotline online, tldlogistics.com. Again, tldlogistics.com. Blake has a tremendous amount of enthusiasm for what he's doing. And boy, did can he talk! I mean, he can talk and talk. Bino tries to get a word in. Edgewise on the other side. We're celebrating a rather um, a rather important day, one day late, and I'll tell you about it as we continue. If you want to jump in, you have a thought on anything we've discussed, including adding Pittsburgh to this league one day, which I think is a wonderful idea. More as we continue right after this. It is hour two. <laughs>
11: This is Terry Wilcox, a.k.a. The Chicken Man, a.k.a. t Willy, and you're listening to 101.7 FM, WKOM, Columbia, Tennessee.
5: Alert! Alert!
10: Hello, it's me, Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. July reminds me of red, white, and blue. If you were born in July, your birthstone is the ruby. King of the precious stones for its rarity, hardness, second only to diamonds. We have a beautiful collection from earrings to rings, modern, and antique. If you were born in July, we'll take 10% off your purchase. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram.
16: Automobile Keys is a local, family-owned and operated car key programming business. Whether you need a smart key, switchblade key, key fob, transponder key, or just a basic car key replacement, we're your best choice for affordable, programmable replacement keys in minutes. Give us a call at 615-878-9087 or visit our website at AutomobileKeys.com. You can email us at C-O-D-Y at AutomobileKeys.com. Automobile Keys is a proud sponsor of Whitthorn Middle School Football. Come by our van out front after the game and say hello. Go Tigers!
11: I have got somebody very special on the line right now. Our favorite grocer, Mr. Miles Johnson from Foodland. Miles, how's everybody doing at Foodland today?
6: Oh, we're doing great. How about yourself?
11: Oh, I'm doing great. Beautiful weather out there. It's a good time to get out and cook some steaks. I think.
0: Oh yeah.
11: (laughs) So, what kind of specials you got this week, Miles?
0: Well, this week we have
9: ground chuck for three fifty nine a pound, T-bone steak six ninety nine a pound, corn on the cob
3: two ears for a dollar, twenty four pack Niagara water three for ten, and six pack Coca Cola products three for twelve (laughs) dollars.
11: Wow, fantastic. And those sales uh, run all the way through next Tuesday, so uh, people can come and check you out. And uh, as always, your hours are seven days a week, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. I'll tell you, you it's very convenient, very easy to get in and out of that uh, location right there in West 7th. And, uh, and if there's something you, people are looking for uh, and you can't find it, uh, go ahead and ask. They will take care of you for sure. So, Miles, I hope you and the great people there have a fantastic weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, okay?
14: All righty. Thank you. Thank you, Miles. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee.
0: Tony, be back with you. 865-200-5402. It's a very special day, one day late, but we're going to celebrate it anyway. It's National Radio Day yesterday. And so I'm going to ask a question today in this hour, along with what we're going to discuss, which is... And as long as we stay on, probably into our TLD Logistics Overdrive, Overtime segment, which will be coming up. And the question is this. The question is this. The question is, what does radio mean to you? Can you articulate that? Because I have to be honest with you. I don't know what life would be like without radio. And and I'm going to tell you a quick story, and then we'll go to the phones. But 865-200-5402. I was watching something. Or I put something on over the weekend to fall asleep, too. Got a bunch of busy work done on Saturday. And we had played music till our I got home 1 o'clock in the morning on Friday. So I had that second-day rebound thing going. And then me and my lovely took a walk in the park. But I had like a two-hour window between that and Saturday night when we went for our little walk to get a to um, get a nap in. I guess I'd done a, like 100 minutes on an exercise bike, too. I was just trying to really tire myself out. And so I turned on this documentary about these two women that were in Peru, and it was like a three-part thing on Netflix. And they... um were 19 or 20 years old. They were visiting a foreign country. They were, you know, kind of experimenting, using cocaine. And this guy said to him, hey, how would you like to uh, go to Peru and we're going to load you up with some coke in your bag and I know the people in customs and you'll go right through. Just basically, you know, lied to him. And they ended up in a maximum security prison in Peru, six years sentence. And it was a documentary about everything they had gone through. And I woke up, you know, sort of in the middle of it. But there was something that one of the gals said who was from Scotland. I want to say she's from Scotland originally. Those of you who have seen this probably know what I'm talking about. But she said there was a little radio in my cell. And I would turn that thing on and I would listen to it and I would close my eyes and I could escape. I did it every night. And she said it was kind of my lifeline. And you know, I I thought about that in terms of what radio has meant to me down through the years. And it doesn't matter what format, what, like for me as a kid, I've always been kind of a little different. I'm sure that's a shock to you listening to me, but my family would worry about me, because I used to take this little AM radio and sit in the basement and listen to a news station out of Philadelphia called KYW, and I would just listen, as a kid, I would just sit there and listen to that. I don't know how many eight, nine, ten year old kids would sit there and listen for hours. And obviously, music radio and the growing up, growing up around a big city, all that R and B. And as a kid, listening to the Quiet Storm and all these, just getting exposed to all this incredible stuff. But radio has just been. Such a companion and a revelation down through the years that I, I just don't know what life would be without it. And you know, look for all of us—if we were born a hundred years earlier, we wouldn't have we would have missed it. This is a, this is a hundred-year-old phenomenon. Radio is nineteen twenties on WEEI in Pittsburgh or WEEI in Boston. KDKA in Pittsburgh, this is, a, this is a new phenomenon we're talking about here, 100 years. Can you imagine what life would be like without radio? Can you even imagine that? And look, it's mutated now because a lot of what we consume is online, but still a lot of what we consume online is still radio that's occurring terrestrially, and it also happens to be occurring uh, through your smartphone, through your device.
13: Well, there's forms of radio that actually aren't on the radio, but there's still radio. Yes. Like, that you don't need a radio for.
0: Right. But the, but the idea that you can be in a Peruvian jail far away from home, she said I tune in a station, And it was English speaking. It wasn't my style. She said it didn't matter. It was a lifeline to the outside world. And so I throw that out there as a side topic today, along with what we discussed. And just to kind of celebrate the fact that, and I listened to, I got this idea from, I was listening to a guy named Rob Ellis in Philly who's sort of an O.G., on the weekends there yesterday when I was doing some busy work and they were celebrating the day and he said, what does sports radio mean to you? But really my question is what does radio mean to you? So, you know, do you have a thought on the importance of radio in your life as, uh, as you consider, uh, just everything that's occurred?
1: Absolutely. Tony, it, uh, it was radio was my introduction and and lifeline uh to at least three of the greatest passions in my life and that was music uh uh, tennessee basketball and football and stock radio those uh those are three of the greatest passions longest lasting passions in in my lifetime and and they I, i all first consumed them and really still consume them in a lot of ways uh, by radio.
0: And I've always had, you know, it's such a great thing you point out, Vino, because I find my career that I've had to be such a blessing because I've always had that sort of old soul nature about me where I would consume literally hours of um, news radio when I was a kid, just loved a radio junkie. And I remember as a young kid in this business meeting John Ward. And I was thinking to myself, that's Tennessee's Harry Callis right there. That's Tennessee's Jack Buck. That's Tennessee's Vin Scully. And the magic of it was just what it was. And then like seeing like a guy like Bobby Denton out at places and going, Oh, that's Knoxville's Ed Shockey. That's Knoxville's High Lit. That's Knoxville's whomever. But every town had those voices. And whether it was music, sports, whatever it was, that you just identified with, and it was magical. Yeah,
1: magical. You, you, you know, Tony, there was uh, there was no no bigger persona for me as a Tennessee fan than John Ward. I mean, he was the constant. He, everything changed. John Ward was still describing what was going on. Uh, he, he it's he was. He was bigger than life to me.
0: What's What's amazing, the night that he passed away, I, was, I happened to be in Ocean City where I was a week and a half ago. And I was walking with Anthony one night. We'd gone for a walk on the boardwalk. And it's really, really nice there, really family-oriented. And I walked by that spot, and the moon was out because the moon was out the night he passed away, We we were up there. And I said to Anthony, I said, that's the bench I sat on several years ago when John Ward passed away. I said, it was just like this tonight. You know, the thing that really kind of blew me away about that evening was the number of people That called in and said, and I wish we could find that show. We ought to rerun that show. I mean, my audio would be very crude on it, but the things that were said that night, and we just jumped on, and we had thousands of people listening, and we were probably on for a couple of hours. Brian, I believe you came to the studio, didn't you, to make that happen? Because we were all away. You jumped in here. Yeah, you were like uh traffic copying it, weren't you, Brian? You know, I
13: I don't specifically remember it, but I think I may have.
0: It was to think about and that's the power of not only how good that guy was, but to me that's the power of that medium. Cause Sean told me one time I, I said to him, I was and I wasn't even fluffing him, I said, you know, you got Network ability, man. I mean, you've got ability to be as big as any he, he looked at me and he said, I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing. Because as a kid, you're always thinking bigger is better. As I've grown, I understand now that it's not. More prominence, you know, whatever whatever, it is, whatever it is, is not always better. Beano likes to say you can't beat happy. Which there's... um there's just a lot of truth in that john ward was emblematic of think about your life without radio think about it think about it no no thank you
1: it 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 provided things that may not be available in in your area you know i was like uh uh i was a from a young age, uh, because of the influence of, of Freddie, I was yep. uh, much more an R&B soul uh, uh, pro- uh, guy than, than I was a pop guy. And until WJBE came in, uh, there there weren't really any kind of urban or R&B and soul stations, that you could tune in. Freddie would tune in WLAC at night, and they right. had a show called Ernie's Record that was sponsored by Ernie's Record Mart. Uh, that was R and B and soul, straight, you know. And 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 we listened to that. And then, you know, I couldn't. We couldn't really get the Yankees. Uh, most of my Yankee exposure was television, but uh, you know, Wado had the Braves, and I love Major League Baseball so much. wasn't a Braves fan, but absolutely just loved to listen to Milo describe a baseball game. Uh, during the week when when those games weren't available. So, heck, I could well, pick up. We live so close to Wado, I could get it on my phone about as well as I could. Isn't that radio. crazy
0: back in the day? I used to have guitar you know, amplifiers uh, that pick up radio stations. Go ahead, uh, Brian.
13: You're focusing on luxury stuff. What about necessities? What if you're out in your car and there's a tornado coming your way? exactly right. Or some kind of emergency coming your way. You've got to know what immediately. And if there's traffic issues and all yes. that, that they help you
0: out. What would it be, man? What would it be? What would it be without radio, man? And it's, it's National Radio Day one day later. kudos to Rob Ellis for killing me to that. They talked about what a sports radio mean which I could go into that, I could spend hours on what sports radio means. I mean, I could spend hours on it. And it used to mean something totally different than it means to me now, but I don't want to bore you. Who wants to hear me speak? Let's go to the phones and get these elaborate, illustrious calls in here. Uh, And our first call has been holding on for a good long while, so welcome into our first call. You are on the TLD Logistics Hotline. Hello. Hello.
4: I believe, Tony, they've been a lot of great personalities that have started out on radio. I would not be one bit surprised if Lawrence Welk started out on radio.
0: Bino, have you considered that Lawrence Welk might have started on radio? Uh,
1: I'd say Lawrence Welk did, and I'd say that's the reason I was listening to WLAC and Ernie's record part.
4: But you know you know today, Tony, when it comes to radio, you know, you have you have iHeart, you have Odyssey. So what does it mean to you, Bill? What does radio mean to you? It means a lot to me. Because I enjoy listening to some of the other sports talk shows. Not only in not only here in Knoxville, but, but you know, all around. No matter if it's in Nashville yep. or or Philadelphia, yep. you can hate listen comes. now. Like Matt
0: Dixon says, you can hate listen now. When when Kentucky loses a basketball game, you can jump in there and listen to those people cry and whine. People do that with us on Garza Law, a fifth quarter fan reaction. When the Vols lose, other fan bases jump in. We see the numbers and and the IPs and where people come from. And but the truth is, uh, Bill. The sense of community and all this stuff is just so great and so such a wonderful blessing. It's so enriching. It's just such a wonderful thing.
4: And, of course, Tony, the radio station that you're working at now, you know what it was before? It was a WJBE. It was once WQBB. Remember all that. It was that second radio station that you worked for. That's right. Bill knows my career. And, um,
0: so what else is on so your mind today, Bill, besides the radio thing? I don't want to bo- bog you down with that.
4: Okay. I'll, t- I'll tell you, Tony, I was speaking of radio. I was calling, uh, you know, Ramon, Ramon, Kayla, uh, and Will on 104.5 this morning. Yes. This morning. The great Ramon Foster, the big ragu. And uh, I... They thought I was kind of crazy. I gave Malik Willis an A because I his performance was really that bad. And I sort of brought up to them that only one mistake that I saw in that game, Malik Willis should have used his head for something besides a hat rack when he threw that interception. But outside of that, and I know, Tony, you're going to think I'm crazy for doing it, it but I'm going to say I'm giving him an A because right. I thought he played quite well. And also, Tony, I'll tell you who else really played well. Tarjay Spears. Yep. That third-round draft choice out of uh, two lanes. It's
0: like a hit. Tarjay Spears was like a hit for the Titans. Beno, how yeah. would you grade the Titans' performance over the weekend?
1: Uh, Tony, I have uh, DirecTV, uh, which yes. – uh, six is no longer able to uh, be aired on, uh, and I flipped over there several times and uh, and celebrated that I could not watch the Titans.
0: Bill, you gonna let him talk about the Titans like that? Uh, Here's the problem with Malik Wells Bill. And he showed this yeah. Saturday night. He's a college quarterback. He's a runaround guy. You you know what happens but, to those got guy- Hey, Bill, you know what happens to those guys in that league? If you put him out there enough. They take a dustpan and a brush and they sweep him up off the floor if you put him out there enough. <laughs> and he's a runaround guy. He he moved the team running around the other night. Yes or no, Bill?
4: Yeah, he did.
0: Yeah, he's a runaround but guy.
4: Thought, but I thought he I thought he played quite he's a well. He, college got quarterback. Of, he got out of a, he got out of pressure quite well yeah, he's and I, a
0: college quarterback.
4: I thought I thought he did, but I believe he wrapped up that number two spot. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. So I believe going into this season, Canny Hill number one, Willis number two, and Levis will be number three.
0: Well, you'll be glad to know that Ray Didinger, the other day, who's like the godfather of football in Philadelphia, came on the air and said that. Marcus Mariota not only has been horrendous in the Eagles' first two uh, games, but he said a source told him that Marcus Mariota has been absolutely brutal in practice. Brutal. The stuff in front of the media and the stuff away from the media. And the Eagles drafted a rookie. Uh, will they have the guts to make a sixth-round pick, their backup quarterback? Marcus Mariota, I forgot last year, Bino. He just left on the Falcons at midseason. He was so bad down there, they pulled the plug on him. He fiend an injury and got out of there and took an elective surgery, essentially. Bean Star, I'm starting to think Marcus Mariota's done. Bean Star.
1: Uh, yeah, I think that that's uh, accurate thought, Tony.
0: And and Carson Wentz can't find a job, Bino. What's that say about him? He's unsigned
1: uh about three years too late <laughs> hey, hey tony one more
4: thing thank I'll you. name you I'll name you a, a a very popular personality that started out in rock and roll and he's in the same business and you're in he's talk radio his name phil Williams
0: you're the man thank you. Good talking to you, Bill. Let's get our next call in. You Hello. Know, uh, yes.
13: Speaking of transfer quarterbacks, yeah. Illinois has named Ole Miss transfer Luke Altmeyer as their starting quarterback.
0: Well, I'm so glad you brought up Illinois because I got a number for Bino. Nashville Lee said that 79% of all D1 projected starting quarterbacks this year are transfers, Bino.
1: Wow. 79%.
0: Percent.
1: So the SEC is actually lagging behind.
0: Yes. If I'm that's to believe Nashville Lee, Lee, I don't know. He could be a font of misinformation on that for all I know, but I'm covering myself here. Hello and welcome in.
9: Hey, Bino.
1: Yes, sir, Jinker.
9: Hey, I was thinking about going back here and laying down and taking a nap, and after listening to Titans' bills call, I do know I'm going to.
0: Well, why don't you liven liven the show up, then?
9: Well, when when did you say National Radio Day was?
0: Yesterday. National Radio Day. Yesterday.
9: Well, you got me to thinking. uh, After my mother was tragically killed, uh, I didn't know anything about Tennessee basketball. And I don't even know why, but I turned radio on one night. There was a Tennessee basketball game. I'm with John Ward doing it. And I started following Tennessee basketball from that point on. I was eight years old. And in the summertime, you know, you mentioned uh, I was a huge baseball, major league baseball fan. Yep. I can't even watch major league baseball anymore.
13: Great sport. It's
9: so boring. It's so boring to me now. It's not what it was back in the 70s. You know, now all all it is is home runs and strikeouts. Am I right?
0: No. They've, They've really improved the game this year. You ought to give it another chance.
9: Well, I've started watching the Braves a little bit more here lately. But, um... But I can remember, yeah, listening to Milo Hamilton, uh, do the Braves games, and then he went on to Pittsburgh and then Houston. You know, we, uh, getting WCAU out of Philadelphia on AM, uh, KDKA out of Pittsburgh, WKMOX WK, out of, uh, St. Louis. You know, but, uh, what really got me my best friend, uh, who actually died on the same date, different year that, uh, that Pison did. We used to listen to uh, Pete Franklin all the time. We have a three, on 3WE, he had
0: a I listened to Pete Franklin as a kid. He was so, like, bombastic and in-your-face, but he was so fun. So fun. So um, my absolute fun
1: to, to sports talk Radio, Pete frac oh he
0: years. was such a pioneer man
1: yeah he was
9: before his time, wasn't he? oh my gosh, but uh but yeah, I don't even you know but yeah i'm I'm gonna try try to start watching baseball again, but uh.
0: It's a great sport with the with the with the pitch clock. The thing they did in Williamsport last night, baseball's really trying. They are really really trying to uh, make it a new day with their sport. I give them a lot of credit.
9: But you're right, Tony. That um, that's what one of the things that turned me off so much about it was not them stepping out of the box every time yep. and readjusting and readjusting yep. back gloves.
0: Beano's boy, Jeter, chief among them. Thank you. Thank you, my man. Good talking to you, and I appreciate you sharing with us what radio means to you. Hello and welcome into our next call. Yes. Hi, you're on the air.
8: Yes, uh, you was talking about uh, radio. Uh, yep. Like a rapper said, uh, what would I do without my radio? Uh,
0: the, a great LL Cool J.
8: LL Cool J. I mean, uh, you know, growing up in Knoxville, yep. uh, you know, WJBE was, uh, I mean, it was everything to, uh, the black community. That's cool. Um, you know, and when we lost the radio station, you know, for a while, you know, I was like, you know, what are we going to do? And then as soon as I was, you know, thinking to myself, you know, what are we doing? When are we going to get black radio, black? back in, uh, in, Knoxville. And, uh, I guess Joe Armstrong was thinking the same way and he made that move. And, and here we are today. Uh, and we need people in the community and, and throughout Knoxville to support, uh, WJBE sponsors and, uh, you know, everything you can do to you know, to keep, uh, this, this radio station alive. We surely enjoy your show, but, uh, but you're you. right, man, you know, people, people compl- here's the thing about radio
0: that gets me down through the years. People complain about advertising. How many things in your life are free? How many things right. can you tur- turn on and it doesn't cost you anything? Like that is the, the, the lady that was in the jail cell that I was talking about earlier, she was like, it was my lifeline. I found I found a station. I turned it on. And I could go somewhere else in my mind. I mean, how many? And it's free. Think about that.
8: You're right. You're right. Support it. Uh, uh, People
0: got to support it. They got to support support those average. Walk into those places and say, hey, thank you so much. I heard you. Thank you so much. You have no idea how far that goes. You just have no idea. Right.
8: You're right, Tony. And, uh, you know, we just... We just need all the support we can get to keep keep radio alive. Uh, I get calls all the time about uh, people uh, that are locked up, and and they hear WJBE, and it just it just keeps them keeps them going. Uh, Amen. Keeps them, keeps them alive, and it keeps a lot of people that you know. If without radio, we wouldn't have television. Amen. Radio started the whole you know the the viewing experience in people's minds, and then hey, next thing you know. Here comes the development of of, of television. But uh, um, we do appreciate your show. We appreciate WJBE and all uh, that they're doing with the uh, uh, team that they have. And uh, we just want to keep it alive and uh, continue uh, support uh, from the community. We need all the support we can get to keep this thing alive.
0: Thank you. Much love to you. And, And local radio is so important. Brian said it earlier. Terrible tragedy happens. What's the first thing you do? Radio is so important. So important. And you know, to the granular level, I mean, the local stations are so important. Well, it's National Radio Day, one day late if you want to tell me or share with me or share with us what radio means to you if you've got a story or something you'd care to share also Blake Topmeyer was talking about four potential expansion candidates for this league you know I'm a big believer that I don't want Clemson and Florida State in this league I think it's going to be hard enough on Tennessee as it is I like the idea of Pittsburgh because they're mid, they're mid with a fun fan base.
1: Yeah, I, I really like the addition of Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, I, I would be, I would be pro Clemson and Florida State. I've always thought they were more SEC than ACC. Too hard. foul schools and uh,
0: too hard, now. Too much. You don't want them in this league. Don't
1: yeah, you? Wanna, I want them in.
0: No, you want to go to playoffs and stuff. If you're the Vols,
1: I don't think adding Clemson and Florida State is when when we're good, we'll be good enough to beat them.
0: Yeah, but you're competing with them for players year after year. Why give Why give them a lifeline? They're on the outside looking in. That's the way I look at it.
1: This thing is going to expand. I mean, I can't go back the way I want it. Right. Uh, if they're going to go to 20. Yep. Uh, give, give me more good football games to watch. But
0: if you're going to go to 20, right, why do you have to add a team in Clemson that we need, we need for them to be down for us to do what we do?
1: I think South Carolina needs for them to be down more than we do, Tony. I mean,
0: I don't know. The one thing about it, though, and the thing that will be really interesting is, if they join, like this Oklahoma deal in the next ten years, seeing how they're going to do in this league is going to be really, really interesting. It is intriguing to see the new blood... But the one, thing, the one smart thing the league has done, and they've kind of quietly done it, is they've put Arkansas, Texas, Oklahoma, and a and all back in the same league, essentially. They're going to break them off into their little pod for scheduling reasons when they do that. And if they don't do that, I think we'll all be shocked. And so all of a sudden, you'll have a little pocket of the Southwest Conference back together if they go to that pod scheduling that we, t- we talked a lot about in the off season, which I think eventually they'll get there. Um, and if they go to a 20-team format, they'll do something similar to th- than that with the ACC teams. So they're going to have it both ways in this league, inevitably, it seems like, which is kind of a smart thing to do, by the way.
1: I, I think when you look around, Tony, generally – I believe the historically good top two teams in every league could be good wherever you put them. And I think Oklahoma's going to be pretty dang good wherever you put them. I think Ohio State and Michigan going to be pretty dang good wherever you put them.
0: But uh, would they be? Would they? But the question is, are they going to be like not, they've been? Not, you know?
1: They they won't have the success in this league uh, that they've had in the Big Eight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and the and the Big Twelve. No, it, that's not going to happen.
0: And you wonder with their fans, because so much of their identity has been winning big. I wonder from if once they get into their cycle of several nine and three seasons, which is what they're staring at when they come into this league, several nine and three type seasons. One wonders, at least I do, if their fans would go, man, I. I wish we were just playing a bunch of mid teams like we like we were 'cause they've been in a couple of mid leagues. the big eight was mid, the big twelve's mid I mean it's not great when's the last time they were in a great league, you know in your lifetime where you looked at it and went man what Oklahoma's in a great they come into this league they're getting ready to, they're getting ready to know it. When they come into this league.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I think throughout the course of history, most years, the SEC and the Big Ten have been the best two football conferences, regardless of where they were at. And yep. um, um, You know, there have been years when the Pac-12 was really strong, years when the Big 12 was really strong. Uh, but somewhat cyclical and top heavy but uh, you know this league was always a six halves and six have nots or five halves and five have nots too so but most of those other leagues were like two or three team leagues
0: that's exactly right, yeah, the old big eight was a two or three team league, and then it was and then it was Oklahoma going out and beating people seventy five to seven. In this league, you have very few weeks off. I want to read something to you um, that Orange Throat wrote today. Because I took him to task in the blog, and I'm going to get Bino's thoughts on this on the other side. This was over at tclub.team today. And Orange Throat, or a UT insider. I give everybody, the, the folks that write in the blog, get, get their say. But then if we don't agree, we come behind them and say, I disagree with that. I, I like having disparate viewpoints, and not everybody has to live in the same echo chamber, which has become our country in 2023, in in everything. We're way too tribal these days. But he wrote, and he was talking about uh, Tennessee's defensive coordinator, Banks, and he was talking about Willie Martinez. He says... Can they avoid a terrible game in 2023, a game where it looks like they're playing pass defense, a man or two short of the 11 you're allowed? There were several candidates in 2021, but my worst was Purdue in the Music City Bowl. Hands down, last year's South Carolina game won that dubious honor. He says, we've already talked about the pass rush, but better secondary play is important, and there's reason to be optimistic on the back end. Slaughter, Haddon, Turnage are three good corners. Walker is solid as a safety spot. Judy Lally a versatile player who can play corner or star behind Tamarian McDonald. Banks and Martinez do seem still married to Tank McCullough, who's aptly named. And Torrentine adds quality depth. But he asks... Can they avoid another terrible game in 2023? Is Orange Throat being unfair to those two guys, or did he hit the nail on the head? i got to ask Beanstar and Brian his thoughts, and then we'll, we'll get into more calls as all, all lines are jammed as we continue with more on the other side after this.
5: American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow
14: isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today,
1: 388-2090. Hi, this is Steve, the garbage man. Y'all have heard me talk in the past about Packer, our mascot dog. Well, I have some sad news about Packer. She recently crossed over the Rainbow Bridge to join our other beloved pets of the past. Packer lived out her final days on our farm in Water Valley. She had a great 14 years of life after being rescued by Don from being thrown away as a pup
15: in someone's garbage. Rest in peace, Packer.
6: Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to
1: Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee.
0: TB back with you, 865 200 5402 a day after we celebrated National Radio Day. I'm asking you what radio means, and then several of these topics that were just kind of kicking around in our soup. Bino, Jeff, and Brian. Orange Throat wrote the following today. I took him a task, told him he was being unfair over at tclub.team. And by the way, thank you so much for your contributions to the family from uh, Hawaii. Uh, and, and we are running uh, Drew's letter at the very top of the blog again today. I want to help him hit that goal. We've got to help them hit that goal. But the audience really came through. Um over the weekend and Drew is just beside himself over the contributions to his family from strangers. I mean he's just he's just blown away by it. He says to me over the weekend in a text, How can I ever repay you? I said, Drew, you allowing us a part in this blessing that's all you need that it's payment enough. That's all. This is what Orange Throat writes. Can Banks and Willie Martinez avoid a terrible game in 2023? A game where it looks like they're playing pass defense, a man or two short of 11, you're allowed. There were several candidates in 2021, he writes, but my worst was the Purdue game, the Music City Bowl. Hands down, he writes, last year, South Carolina won the dubious honor. I say to him, how many games of major college football can you say that about? You cheap shot artist, orange throat. How many games of major college football can you say that about? And you want to pick on these two guys. Who's right,
1: Bino? I'm going to do a little fence straddling here, Tony. I tend to agree with you that in unless you're Georgia, uh, in in or some of Alabama's past defenses loaded with NFL players, uh, there's going to be a day uh, modern college offenses rip you apart. Um, I, but to in, in defense of Orange Throat, I don't like who it's happened against with us. Uh, I, don't, I don't I don't like the fact that a Purdue team uh, that was missing several offensive players. Uh, we never stopped. And then somehow South Carolina gets off the map and scored on anybody. I think they got shut out in the game before that. Uh, and, and I mean, they look like, they look like uh, Eric Coriel was coaching them back now. The oh, AFL days. Uh, I, I don't like that. Uh, one thing I've I've seen a sneak peek uh, to what Matt is going to have on the blog tomorrow. And, uh, My worries for the defense are more about the things that he points out that were real good for us this past year that, that the numbers don't reflect. Uh, And some of those things are somewhat cyclical. That's my concern that we won't match. We won't match our performance in those areas. And I'm not going to throw, I'm not going to give it away because that's his deal. So That'll be on tomorrow's
0: show. Yeah, Matt is, um, Matt's got something really great prepared for tomorrow's blog, and we will be in the mix and in the hunt with him tomorrow. So, uh, without further ado, we go back to our phones. So, Bino, you agree with me then? Is that kind of where we are?
1: I'm, uh... I'm. I've, I've got. I've got a Tony flag on one side and an orange stroke flag on the other of my car, but no white flag.
0: You bring up a really good point, though, that the timing of what occurred, the timing of what occurred was really dreadful. I, I will say to you that is uh, a point well taken. I just think it's a cheap shot to pile on those two guys. I know Willie Martinez is a. Um, is is, has been a guy that everybody likes to beat on and and i get it because because really because really he's the same guy that um at the end of the day he's the same guy that you know georgia ran at a big time college football
11: I have got somebody very special on the line right now. Our favorite grocer, Mr. Miles Johnson from Foodland. Miles, how's everybody doing at Foodland today?
6: Oh, we're doing great how about yourself oh
11: i'm doing great beautiful weather out there it's a good time to get out and cook some steaks i think oh yeah <laughs> so what kind of specials you got this week miles
9: well this week we have ground chuck for 359 a pound t-bone steak 6.99 a pound corn on the cob two ears for a dollar 24 pack
8: niagara water three for 10 and six pack coca-cola products three for 12 dollars
11: wow fantastic and those sales uh, run all the way through next tuesday so uh, people can come and check you out and uh, as always your hours are seven days a week 7 a.m to 9 p.m i'll tell you you it's very convenient very easy to get in and out of that uh, location right there in west 7th and, uh, and if there's something you people are looking for uh, and you can't find it uh, go ahead and ask they will take care of you for sure so miles i hope you and the great people there have a fantastic weekend and uh, we'll talk to you next week okay
14: All righty, thank
11: you. Thank you, Miles.
14: Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee.